Please pause for an important directive from Dr. Morgenstern, Chief of Surgery at County General Hospital. This episode contains heavy themes and serious content. Listener discretion is advised. All stories shared in this podcast have been altered to protect the identity of our patients and colleagues. Any perceived medical advice from the show should not be used for real-life medical concerns. Always consult your personal physician before proceeding with any new practice or treatment. This podcast will include spoilers for the episodes we are discussing, but there will not be any future episode spoilers. Thank you. discuss the hit 90s tv show er we are your hosts melissa and julie and today we are discussing episode seven of season two hi melissa hey how's it going i'm great how are you i am good i really want to know though how this whole megan markle thing is happening in the uk like what's the feeling on the streets (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, now it's only, it was two weeks ago, so, like, there's been an entire lifetime in between then and now. So many things have happened in terms of, like, social media and um, hot goss. But, yeah, the whole thing with Megan and Harry, um, and I'm sure people are really exhausted about hearing about it, so we will not go, we will not discuss it at nauseum, but... It's very divided. People either love or hate her. I'm always shocked when people say that they really hate her. Because I'm like, but how? Like, you do not know this person. I just find it really all very strange that people have such, like, such harsh opinions of her. And I think a lot of those are formed just by the British media and how they portray her. I do. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I can understand to a certain extent that she came off a little cold in the interview, but I think that that's also like a protective mechanism. I would have come off cold too, because like, you're just trying to state the facts and like, not everybody is like a super openly emotional person, right? Like emotion for me, like I am not a crier. I will die before I cry in front of people like it's mortifying for me to cry in front of people so like I I mean just because she wasn't like what weeping I just feel like that that doesn't mean that it's yeah I don't know yeah and I I I like I just think so many people have such harsh opinions like that Harry is being so disrespectful so are people like in the UK like talking about it a lot like is that it's like dominating yeah or not really no i mean not anymore as much but there's definitely still chatter about it a lot of chatter about pierce morgan that prick like pierce morgan is (laughs) he is the absolute worst there's just it's pretty divided there are people that just really don't like megan and then there's people that really do but a lot of the people who don't are very monarchists like they definitely um really value the queen and what she represents and then the people who do like megan they're not necessarily anti-monarchy but they're just sort of like yeah we all know it's an institution and it was probably really shitty for her and shitty for harry 
and like they have every right to leave if they want to you know like there were a lot of people who were just not very fussed about it um but yeah there are a lot of people who are just sort of like yeah I just don't like her I just don't like her and when I'd ask why they'd be like well she's just like a gold digger and this and that and I was like well she had her own wealth like and when yeah. <laughs> people say that she wasn't a very famous actress like she, it she what? was very well known I don't know why people so like there's this there's this thing that people do so they'll say like oh she's a d-list actress like she's not even very good and like nobody knew about her and this escalated her career and it's like okay so she's a d-list actress and she's shitty at her job and she you know like nobody knows about her and she's not talented but she's talented enough to fool the royal family into accepting (laughs) her into her home but she's good enough for that yeah but she's not good enough you know and then it's like oh she's a gold digger and this and yeah and then it's like and then they're like oh she's just a gold digger and she wants the lot like the spotlight and she wants this and that and it's like well but she already had that on her own she already had I don't know her house was like 1.8 million dollars I don't she had a really expensive home in my opinion expensive in LA I'm like sorry but if she if she didn't marry Harry her career would have like her career would have gone upwards because she was doing really well and she would have had her own wealth so like no she's not looking for wealth she was successful on her own and really successful like she was on suits for years and that was a very top rated show like I just feel like yeah I think she sacrificed her career to be a part of the royal family absolutely because she probably would have gone places and now it's years later and now like she's gonna have to try to either pry her way back into it which is really tough like to reinvent yourself and come make a comeback in this then that industry is very difficult i'm sure her agents weren't happy about her leaving right because she left suits too like she left the show so yeah like i yeah it's not like that show ended and then there wasn't very many opportunities so then she decided to do this she left in the prime of her career like as it was starting up so she did i don't know she did but anyways like i said it's just very divided here and people have their opinions and um but yeah you know what though is interesting because people didn't believe her when she said she didn't understand like the depth of the royal family and just like what your perception is and how it is when you're living it when you're living it is very different from what you see and that like she didn't know that she had to curtsy for the queen like and I was talking to other English people and even Australian people and I was like no no like I'm Canadian I'm in the Commonwealth too and I would not have known that if I had met Harry and we started dating I don't think I would have thought that I actually had to curtsy to the queen in private yeah with just family totally that's not something I would have just known no like I think that there's so many traditions entrenched in English culture that you just understand and you just know like this is what it means to be part of the royal family but that's not something that Americans like I don't know as a Canadian we wouldn't know these things but as American like they are so far removed from uh the commonwealth like it doesn't surprise me that she didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. I would I definitely would not have known that either. I do think though, I would have asked him. I would have been very nervous to meet yeah. the queen. 
And totally. I probably would have been like, what yes. the fuck do I do? Like, do I, where do I put my hands? Like, do I sit? Can I sit? <laughs> like, yeah. I, think, I think I would have yeah. asked a lot of questions going into that. Um, so I think maybe yes. it was a little bit naive yes. to just walk in and expect that you were going to know the customs. But like, yeah, I think I would have been like, can, if, if there's tea, do I take the tea? Do I, do I wait? For someone to give it to me like I think I would have can I put sugar yeah. in the tea like I would have been asking a lot of questions because I would have been very stressed out about that yeah. meeting but I, I but totally I, agree that you shouldn't be expecting an American to like know what that yeah. tradition should be yes but in like the institute like the American institution they are very anti-monarch they're just yeah. they yeah. bled from that like they totally. they like fought against fought it. for that. They fought for independence from like any monarchy. And right. so I could see how she would just kind of see them as like another celebrity family, as like silly as that sounds. Yeah. I that's think true. that she I could see as an American how you'd just be like, Yeah, it's not a big deal, like it's just another person or like it's just another celebrity, like doesn't really matter right. i don't know especially I see... coming from a world of celebrity right like you you kind of think of yourself yeah. as like in the know or like you understand the that like i don't know i don't know if you put yourself on the same plane yeah. as the queen but like you kind of are like oh no i know how to like interact on this level yeah i guess i could see that i can yes. really see that yeah yeah i mean if you've met yeah. beyonce in the u.s you feel like you've met the queen yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? You're like, Absolutely. I've met Beyonce. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I know what it means to be Yeah, I can handle the queen. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I love it. I can handle uh, her. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, let's get into this episode, hey? What do you think? Well, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. What do you have for us from the Twitterverse? Well, I have a question. I actually don't know the answer to this. I don't think we've talked about it. Um, it's from at the blonde RN. She's amazing. Um, she's a nurse in the U.S. and I follow her on Twitter. She's great. And her question was, "What was your first job?" Ooh, first job. Sorry, and I should also preface this by saying these are questions that we are choosing that are posed to people on Twitter that follow these people. These are not questions that are asked of us we just no. take it upon ourselves <laughs> to ask these questions of each other because they are posed to twitter yes yeah absolutely and i'm not creative enough to come up with my that's, own that's <laughs> that's a good uh distinction we probably should have made earlier yeah yeah, yeah. oops yeah we just uh, just thought it'd be fun to kind of start there's lots of questions in like topics and stuff discussed on twitter so i think that this is kind of fun it gives you a little bit of insight into us too and we learn stuff about each other so it's great yes so my first job i'm trying to think so i was never a babysitter as a kid like i took the babysitters course but then never actually really babysat so that never was a first job of mine but I, okay. my first ever actual job, I guess, would have been for my dad. I worked at, he has like a chip plant, chip and salsa company. And your dad? Yeah. 
I did not know that. You didn't know that? Oh, no, okay. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. What? Um, Your dad yeah. has a gym and salsa company? He does, yeah. Uh, it's just a small little company. It's um, Where do they sell it? They sell it at co-op. You can get it at co-op. Um, or at Superstore. So they do the private label oh of Superstore's uh, tortilla chips. Um, no way. Yeah, so if you get the no-name chips, that's uh, my dad's. Um, and then the best salsa, so they do like a bunch of different salsas, uh, but the best one, in my opinion, is their fresh salsa, and you can buy that at Superstore. They sell it under the no-name brand as well. It's the Ziggy's Salsa. Um, and is it good. sold across Canada? It is, yeah. Yeah. It no is sold across way. Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Melissa, and how did I not know this about I don't you? know. I'm surprised you didn't know this, to be honest. Um, I but... had no clue yeah. <laughs> it's funny also if you go to a landmark theater like movie yeah. theater and you get yeah. their nachos the chips are my dad's um, wow yeah wow so, kind of cool yeah so yeah he has this like little plant it's bigger now but when i was working there it was a small little plant um and I worked in the kitchen and helping make like antipasto salsas, um, that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of like tomato washing and chopping. Uh, there was like, wow. I remember, vividly remember chopping cilantro and like they would have like huge bunches of cilantro on like these massive cutting boards. And you would, <laughs> I remember the ladies showing me how to do it. And I was like, I'm for sure gonna lose a finger um it was like you just put all this cilantro on this huge cutting board and you put two huge knives in each hand so like you're holding four knives and just like <laughs> chopping cilantro um yeah oh my god for hours wow so you know like exactly what's gone into the salsa like you know you I know mean, what's in that shit yeah, I guess I do. It is all very fresh ingredients, um, but it's just like because it's more of like an assembly line kind of situation. You like you're either doing you're doing one thing all day. So like either you're just washing and cutting tomatoes all day, or you're cutting all the cilantro that day. Like so, it's not like at home where you would like be cooking and like putting everything together. Like you do one yeah. job. So right. I mostly okay. did washing tomatoes and now they have like a slicing machine where it like cuts the tomatoes um, okay. into pieces. But bef when I was there, we used to chop them and that was awful. Yes. <laughs> it was a terrible job. Like it made me want oh. to go to university more than anything else. <laughs> like, cause oh, I was gosh. just like, I cannot do a laborious job like this. It day in, day out, I will lose it. So yeah, um, yeah it was a really tough job, but, uh, but it was good. It like, I don't know. It was good to kind of learn that experience and kind of see how things went. Um, and it's funny because in the break room, they have this like nice big break room kind of upstairs. It was really hot because the um, chip machine was really hot. So then all that hot air rose into the break room. 
but uh but it was a nice little break room and then they had this fridge like this old fridge from before my dad owned the place and the door of the fridge when you opened it like the shell of the door came off and then you could see all the insulation and then the rest of the door would come and I was like oh my god this is so unsafe and so I like went home and I was like dad like your working conditions are ridiculous yeah he just hadn't noticed because like he's like I have been up there but I don't open the fridge like when would I ever need to do that so he, nobody had told him that this was happening so he was like this is ridiculous so he like went in he was like oh my god and so like replaced a bunch of the stuff so I think it was good on both ends because like oh, I would good, come yeah. home and be like wow that was ridiculous and he'd be like oh well, I didn't know that that was happening we'll fix that um so that it was kind of good yeah it was kind of good and my brother worked there as well but my brother worked on the chip line so he was like actually lifting like the big bags of flour and like okay. um, doing stuff like that on the chip line was a lot harder work more laborious work than in the kitchen but but yeah I was I was definitely just in the kitchen so yeah that was my first ever job yeah wow <laughs> what about you well so I did babysit um but I guess my first real job um like working at an actual place was McDonald's oh I worked at McDonald's with two of my friends and it was so much fun we had such a great time oh I bet and uh yeah oh yeah it was great I don't have nearly the same as same stories as you do yeah I liked working there and actually like it made me appreciate because I think that sometimes there's this myth that fast food is like total junk and it it is like it's not it's not like health food obviously but the regulations at least at the location that I worked at it was super clean it was like very very tight like there things were done a certain specific way to like ensure the quality of the food that was being put out it was a well-oiled machine no pun intended (laughs) <laughs> oiled um so like it now makes me appreciate mcdonald's a little bit more because i think that as a company it does they do have at least yeah again i can't speak for all mcdonald's but at that location in particular it was very strict very clean things were done a certain way and i ate there like that's that is something mm. else, as if you can work somewhere that produces the food and then still eat it. And still eat it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good to know, because, yeah, you do kind of think of it as like this, you know, just getting by kind of places. Like, they just don't care about cleanliness or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, everybody that worked there did. Interesting. Yeah, that is yeah, good. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, Melissa, uh Give us some fun facts. All Give right. Give us the deets. Well, this episode, Julie, whoa, whoa. It's a good Okay. It's uh, a good Yeah. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Um, it is what we've been asking for. High drama. Like, it's wild. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, it's not surprising that this episode was the highest rated episode in the second season of the show. And it is the most watched episode of the entire series. So this one is a big one. It has a total of 48 million viewers. And I would assume that that is probably before like streaming. 
um, started happening. Like, this was just on TV, which is crazy. 48 million people watched this episode. It's pretty... That's wild. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yes. All right. So this episode then received five Emmy nominations uh, for Best Writing, Best Directing, uh, Best Cinematography, uh, Best Editing for a Single Camera uh, production and best sound mixing so it is a big episode it's commonly mentioned as the moment that george clooney became a star which totally makes uh. sense and then something kind of just off kind of odd that i didn't notice until i read this fact um is yeah. that sherry stringfield who plays susan lewis is not in this episode at all so oh my god i did not notice that right um, oh, yeah, boy. kind of odd. She's not in it at all. It makes the this so it makes this the first episode that one of the credited main characters isn't present at all. So, but why? Why wasn't she there? Does it I don't say know. Why? I couldn't find out why. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if she had another commitment and they or what happened. But yeah, she's just not in this one, or they just didn't write her in. I don't know. Um, that is so weird. weird. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. Hmm. That's it. That's okay. That's it. All right. This episode is titled Hell and High Water. It was written by Neil Baer and directed by Christopher Chulak. It aired on November 9th, 1995. And a brief synopsis of the episode. After being removed from his fellowship at County General Hospital, Doug attempts to get a job at a private practice. After leaving the hospital, he gets a flat tire when suddenly a frantic boy comes to him for help, saying that his brother is trapped in a flooded culvert. Doug becomes a media sensation as they are filming his rescue operation on the boy. All right, Julie, what are your jewels? What did you think? Um... So I really liked the episode. I did. A lot, a lot, a lot. And it was very suspenseful. And I had a lot of ups and downs where I didn't know how I felt because I was so stressed out about <laughs> yes. what was happening. Yeah. Uh, but I also found myself critiquing, like, the medicine mm, and, like, that's what fair. was happening. Yeah. So I'm going to go with 250 joules. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Not a full okay. 300. I'm going to go 250, I think. <laughs> okay. Sounds yeah. good. Um, I very much liked this episode. I forgot how crazy it is. And I, I don't know, when he, like, emerges from the water with the child, like, it's just, like, so overly <laughs> dramatic. And yeah, I just is. loved how stupidly dramatic they made the whole thing. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and the great. music, too. Like, the, the oh. Da, da, da. Totally, totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do agree with you that a lot of it was outrageous. But it was outrageous. <laughs> but I do think that they needed like so much of ER is like this serious um yeah. trying to stick to the facts, trying to be as like um, medically correct as possible in a show yes, and like you're right. um, keeping that serious tone that I just really liked this like crazy almost Grey's Anatomy-esque episode. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say it was it was closer to Grey's Anatomy than it is to historical ER isn't it? Right right yeah mm-hmm. so I went big on this episode I enjoyed it um, so I'm gonna go with 360 so a monophasic 
full defibrillation. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my crazy. god! Crazy. Uh, go big or go home. Big. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Especially for George. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into this episode because we have lots to say. Okay. Um, we open with Doug and he is at this clinic and he's looking for another job because he's evidently been let go of, of this previous one. And he's just sitting there and he's kind of sitting on these small chairs because it's a pediatric clinic and these kids are asking him all kinds of questions. And he ends up <laughs> making this little girl cry because... He said his previous job was giving little girls shots in an attempt to get them to stop asking him questions. Well, that's not why he said he gave the shot, but he was trying to get them to stop asking questions. So he's like, well, I just basically, I gave shots to little girls. And I was like, okay, Doug, like you could just get up and like cross the room. You don't have to be so awful. Scaring the children. Yeah. He's clearly very upset with the fact that he has to job hunt now. Yeah. So uh, Doug is on the job hunt and he was basically told that he wouldn't have his contract renewed with um, the pediatric team. So he comes back to the hospital from the interview. He got the job. He said he's going to make 90K a year or something. Um, But he's very upset because it's not where he wants to be. And Carol is very comforting and goes after him into the change room because she's like, what's wrong? Why is he upset? Mm-hmm. And I guess they're friends. I, guess. I don't know. I didn't really catch this. Like, I guess they're friends now. Um, yeah. He's still clearly very upset that he's being kind of forced to leave. But I also think he still is not willing to take any responsibility for the fact that he needs to change his attitude. Like, yeah, he still is like, it's their problem. Like, well, Doug, maybe you should change your attitude or work at making some changes to your personality because clearly there's lots of people that have the same opinion. Totally. Like totally. a pediatric team not renewing your contract is a pretty big deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I agree with you. He's acting like a child through yeah. this. Yeah. He is. He's like, yeah. yeah. Um, we then see Mark and Connie um, and they, they're meeting, this is like a really, really short storyline, but I thought it was really cute. Um, so they go to see their next patient and it's Mrs. Riblet. And I don't know if you recognize her, but she was on, uh, she's, she's an actress that's been in a bunch of stuff. And I feel like she was in, she was in The Wedding Singer. She was. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, she was, uh, the grandmother of Adam Sandler's character. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out where I knew her from, but you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's She crazy. was in a bunch of 90s movies. 80s, right. 90s movies, right. Like yeah. comedy kind of movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. she's got, like, this very distinct little voice. And. Yes. Very. Yeah. She's very recognizable. Totally. Um. So she's a bit of a pothead. She comes in because she's been feeling like spaced out. And Dr. Um, Green was like, so when did you start feeling this way? And she's like, about three weeks ago or about two weeks ago or something. Your optic disc, perfectly normal. Are you sure that you have glaucoma? My medicine must be working. How long have you been lightheaded? Well, I wouldn't call it lightheaded. It's more like a float. How long have you been floating? About two weeks. How long have you been smoking marijuana? About two weeks. 
yeah i think we found out what what's wrong like yeah i think i think we found out what's wrong with you um and connie makes such a funny remark in this moment because she's like smells like the good stuff and mark is like what and she's like i miss the 60s and she just leaves i was like so connie is a closeted pothead so funny i love it go connie yeah (laughs) they end up like confiscating the medication and uh they pass it around jerry actually gives some to doug then uh one of the main storylines that kind of happens like alongside the big one with doug um, is this young girl her name is molly phillips and she comes in and she's a victim of a hit and run super traumatic and she's very young she's like what nine years old or something um and she's not doing well they resuscitate her harper recognizes they go through we have this um what is it called an acronym called the h's and t's for when we resuscitate somebody and it basically goes through a bunch of potential things that you're supposed to basically check mark off that you're ruling out in a code and one of them is tension pneumothorax and so she's you know they're unable to resuscitate her they're still having issues and so they go through their h's and t's and she goes attention pneumothorax so maybe that's what it is and it ends up being the problem and they're able to get her back then harper is chatting with molly and she is so cute like yeah her voice and everything she's adorable she is adorable. and yeah and carter and harper sort of like bond over this case together which makes me wonder about them mm-hmm. <laughs> so then her parents arrive and and they're very worried about her obviously and they come up to her and she's like are you guys gonna stay and i was like oh my god like of why would you why would a child ask that like are your parents gonna stay by your bedside after you've been hit by a car like of course um but obviously there was a reason that she asked that because potentially maybe they're not really present parents who knows uh turns out they're separated and it sounds like there's some infidelity that's happened um so they have a bit of a tumultuous relationship and this sort of a few comments are made throughout the episode and molly it oops and um molly is sort of witnessing all of these things happen um then later on in the episode uh, more towards the end she uh, complains of a stomach ache and dr benton comes and examines her and he's like uh we should just probably get her a ct scan and he's very cute with her he like boops her on the nose and i'm like benton (laughs) totally then very unexpectedly and shockingly molly crashes in the ct scanner and it sounds like she had often in a trauma you can have uh, like internal bleeding obviously and because they were focused on a pneumothorax um maybe they missed this usually in a trauma they do something called a fast exam where they um basically do an ultrasound of different areas of the body uh, big cavities mostly like your abdominal cavity to rule out any internal bleeding so I suppose that's why she was going to the CT scanner anyways, but right. she has internal bleeding and she ends up dying. Yeah, I'm and kind it of was surprised. So sad. Yeah, I'm surprised in her age 
that they didn't do a CT scan earlier. Like she was playing cards with Harper and she was doing all of this stuff where they could have been getting that scan done in that time just as a precaution to make sure that she doesn't have any further injuries, right? Like, I don't know. It seems kind of crazy. Generally in a trauma they send them to the scanner like right away like once you get an airway captured once you resuscitate the patient um and get them stabilized and get them the fluids that they need they go right to a ct right like do like a head to toe ct to see what else is possible right like yeah especially especially in something (laughs) so significant like that as a hit and run like yeah yeah if she had attention pneumo she probably i mean like and and with that impact that she had you would think she'd have like a lacerated spleen maybe or like who knows like she could have i just feel that the probability is pretty high that she would have had some injuries to her internal organs especially being so small totally totally also when we found out that her parents were separated and she asked yeah. them if she'll if they'll stay did you get the sense that uh, this was my initial thought is that she intentionally got hit by the car what you think okay. so <laughs> this is this was what i thought initially so like i could be totally off but it just gave me the impression that like she wanted to bring her parents together Oh. And if she was injured, that that would maybe do it. And yes. So I came to the conclusion in my own head that maybe she intentionally got hurt, but like got way worse injuries than she was expecting to get, but was kind of trying to bring them together. I did not even consider that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I could I could just be making up storylines in my head. It's totally no, possible. No, but I feel like that's that like could have absolutely been what happened. Yeah, yeah it just kind of seemed totally like she was trying to look for validation. Like you're gonna stay, right? Like both of you are gonna stay. And I was right. just like, oh, is this right. some kind of parent trap? <laughs> like it makes sense now that you say it, but I that's not what I thought of. Uh, at okay. The time. Interesting. But, yeah. Interesting. That, okay. That, is absolutely a possibility. Yeah, which is um, like also, just horrific because she ends up. What I thought away. was super, yeah. What I thought was super disturbing was when she was crashing after the CT scanner, they like removed her mother from the room, yes. and I thought that was super. I was very disturbed, and it's a TV show, but I would that was one of the most disturbing things to me of the entire episode was like this. That mother should have been, the parents should have been brought into the room for the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that's a culture that we have that is newer. But yes, like we bring people into our codes because if if they want to be, right? Like, of course, if you don't want to be, then absolutely not. But we're not going to traumatize you unnecessarily. But studies have shown that it's much easier to manage um like grief process yeah or just acceptance if you're there in the code watching us work on your loved one um because you get to see how hard everybody works at these things like it's not just this mystery on 
did they do everything did they not like you get to see the events unfold and how like you get to see all of the nurses and doctors like sweating and really working hard um and so yeah it's typically what we will do is like try to bring them in when we can so yeah for them to be like dragging her out i thought I had the same process the same thought i was like oh my god this is so traumatic no like, they're uh, like and obviously if she's if like i just feel as if she's she's brought in she's coded already and they got her back great but she's coding again and you're gonna I mean, at that point, I feel as if you, the chances of you getting them back are maybe small. Although right. my experience with peds is pretty small. So I don't actually know what the chances are of bringing back a child after they've coded for a second time. That was like painful to watch. Like, oh, oh, yeah, God, it was. This yeah. poor mother um, doesn't even get to be there when her daughter dies. Like, yeah, ugh. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty terrible. Anyways, moving on to um, happier things. Again, I wrote Diane instead of Linda. <laughs> so That's so funny. <laughs> we're going to change this back. <laughs> oh, God. So Linda is back, and she has invited Doug to come to this party with her. I don't know if this is, like, supposed to be a Halloween party or what, but it's, like, a dress-up party, and she brings him a costume, and did you yeah. get that? What did you get? I got the impression that it was, like, a opera-themed party. Oh, Like, okay, it was okay. for the sense. opera, but I could be wrong about that. I don't, I don't actually okay. recall them saying that. I just, yeah. that's what's in my head. And, like, the okay. costume that he had was kind of, like, old-timey wig. It was opera e kind of yeah so that's what strange i strange party theme super weird yeah yeah so Di- linda oh, frick. linda <laughs> is potentially uh, doug and linda are potentially an item again so which is fine i like linda I feel like um, they're very on again, off again, just like not in a relationship, just like hooking up and going to parties. Yeah. And yeah. Very casual. Yeah. I'm still shipping Carol and Doug. We have 15 seasons to get through. So I feel like in that time, it could still happen. It could definitely still happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jeannie is killing it on her ER rotation. Benton is like very... I just don't get why he's torturing her. Like, dude, she's married. She is married. And you guys were doing the wrong thing by sleeping together. Like, get get out of here. Stop being such a D-bag. So he's giving her, like, all of this work to do. And she just crushes it. And she doesn't complain. She just does it. And I'm just like, Peter, stop being such a dick. She made the right choice for her. You can't be – you don't get to, like, decide – Okay, right. and you don't. Right. She, he doesn't get to have any opinion. Same if, if like he said to her, "I'm not ready for this. You're with somebody." She would be like, "Yeah, I get it." Yeah, totally. And totally. Peter's like acting as if he's so hard done by in this situation. Like, right, whatever. I do really like though when she he gives her like a ton of work, like go through all of this patient's like previous charts and summarize it all. Blah blah blah. Like she he gives yeah. her. 
an absurd amount of work. And she just comes yeah. like rolling in with her card of charts and she's like, yep, summarized. And I think that they have this. Like, I know. she's just. It was the best. I love how like badass that is when you just do it, right? Like, don't complain. Don't get in. Don't complain. Yeah. Don't yeah. cause problems. Just go do the work. Do it really well. And then there's nothing for him to like get upset with you about, right? I thought, exactly. I thought that was super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because then he can't even get upset and criticize her because she's done it all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Then we come to the main event of this entire episode. And Woo-hoo. Yeah. So <laughs> Doug is driving to meet up with Linda. Linda. <laughs> <Since they're having. laughs> uh, Linda. Just so confused by these ladies' names. Honestly, (laughs) it's the I can't even make the excuse that they sound the same because they don't. (laughs) They don't. And like Diane isn't even in this anymore. (laughs) Like she's gone. I know Diane is gone. But I I do really enjoy this. This like just (laughs) your your brain is stuck there. (laughs) It is stuck there. It is. So. Doug gets a flat tire on his way to meet Linda, and it's raining, conditions are terrible, he, like, goes out to check the wheel, and he's driving, like, what is it, a Sunfire? Like, what is he even driving? I don't know. I'm not good with cars, so I am not sure. I didn't notice what car. But it's not a, like, it's an old car. Like, it's not a new fancy car. So I thought it was new for the 90s. Oh, was it? I thought it was like a fancy, I thought it was like a fancy oh, doctor car. Oh, okay. 90s. Oh, maybe then maybe I, I, I didn't pay a ton of attention to the car, so I'm not entirely sure. You're probably right that it was a new car. <laughs> I don't know. And Who I'm knows? Just, yeah. I wouldn't put it past Doug in his residency to buy an expensive car. I guess that's true. That's true. To show off to the ladies, because that's yeah. like part of a big part of his life. That's true. Yeah. Um, so then I don't know where. So he like goes out to check the wheel and it's obviously flat and he's like, damn it. And then he runs back in. He's like sitting in his car and he's contemplating smoking the joint that was given to him yeah. by Mrs. Riblet. And then this kid starts banging on the window and is asking him to help because he says his brother is drowning somewhere. So... He follows the kid. He's kind of perturbed. He follows this the kid to this drain or this, what is it called? A culvert? Culvert, yeah. It's like a storm culvert. drain. Yeah, like a storm drain that's like underneath a bridge to like keep, so that you prevent flooding, I suppose. Um, and it's raining. It's dark. It's like not not an awesome time for rescuing somebody. Right. So he goes into this drain and uh, the kid's... I don't even know how he got down there. How did he get down there? I think they were playing down there. And then yeah. it sounded like. And then all of a sudden the water level started to rise. And I, I want to say like, I was trying to figure it out too. But it sounded kind of like the water level started to rise. And then the debris that was in the uh, drain uh, uh-huh. started to kind of float. And then I think that that's what 
trapped this kid's leg and then he couldn't get oh. out because his I leg is I just don't even know stuck. how he got on the other side. Yeah, I don't know if they were playing on... I don't know. It's super weird. Because surely if, like, there was another way to get in, then Doug could just go in that way. But anyways, it doesn't well, matter. There, there was a point where Doug tried to go in from the yes. other way. But yeah. the water flow was so heavy, I think, that he couldn't. Oh, I see. Um, so then yeah. I suppose I the kid got in that way. Yeah, probably got in that way. But then now the water level is quite high. And so then he couldn't get in there. Yeah, and then it was just too difficult. I don't know. It's weird, okay. though, that his brother was not also trapped. I know. It, it doesn't quite make sense. Like, I know that this kid's leg is stuck, but, like, if the water flow is so intense that Doug can't get to this kid, then how did I the know. littler brother get out? You know? Like, I don't yeah. know. It's kind Unless, of weird. Like, it is weird. Unless the kid did get out, and then uh, by the time that Doug got there, um, the water oh. level was already too high. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll go with that. Okay. But, uh, so then this kid's leg is stuck in the drain in, like, this kind of great thing. Um, and initially Doug is really calm about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get you out. And he tells the other boy. So the boy who's stuck, his name is Ben. And then his brother is the one who went to go get Doug's help. So the little boy, he sends him, like, go get help, go find a phone and call 911 and get someone over here. And he's like, okay, cool. So he's trying to get this grate loose, but can't, tries to get the foot out, he can't. Um, the kid continues, or Ben continues to get colder and sleepier, and he can't move his leg. So then he runs back out, or Doug runs back out to his car and gets like a, a tire jack that he could sort of separate the bars to allow room for, this, for Ben to get his leg out. Um, and he eventually is successful getting the leg out, but still isn't successful with getting the grate loose. Um, so he makes all these efforts and it's very stressful and the suspense just builds and builds and builds. And then eventually um, this kid, oh, I forgot a part. So when he goes to get the tire jack, he ends up running into the kid who tells him he couldn't find a phone. They end up smashing a window of the shop and tells the kid just call find a phone in there and call 911 so he gets back down to the grate uses the jack gets the kid's leg out but then can't get the grate unlocked so he does all these things then ben eventually becomes too tired and cold that he kind of sinks below the surface of the water very scary yeah. and then a couple seconds later the grate breaks through and they get like forced out of the tunnel both of them by the pressure of the water they fall into this big pool that's been created by the bridge and Doug jumps out and he can't find him he dives underneath and this is the heroic shot where he finds Ben and scoops him up and jumps out of the water and (laughs) it's this very uh heroic heroic shot of Doug holding Ben so then Doug gets him onto the lawn, starts performing CPR and resuscitative breaths, looks for an obstruction because he's not breathing anymore. EMS shows up and then also somehow TV reporters. Not sure how that happened. Yeah. Because media is not called to 
these things typically? Well, I was thinking about that too, because I was like, how did, because the first person on scene is the helicopter from the well, TV channel. The, the police right. officer, remember that and guy? And the police officer, yeah. But like yeah. the helicopter is there even before the police officer shows up, right? Like, right. So I think probably what happened is, because I'm pretty sure that news organizations listen to um, police radios, right? And so they uh, probably heard the call come through and were like, oh, right. this might be a good story and sent out their helicopter. Um which I guess makes sense, but but yeah, it's. It, I, I was like, how this, did this they part get now there? it starts to get real crazy. <laughs> like I was gonna <laughs> say, because even before EMS shows up, the police officer the shows up. Yeah, yeah, the helicopter's there, but the police officer shows up, and then it's just one police officer. <laughs> so then the helicopter um, lands. They're all in his face. Doug is, like, trying to resuscitate this kid. EMS shows up. And while he's just with the police officer, he ends up... So this is... Yeah, this is where it gets weird. And <laughs> super, like, not medically accurate at all. No. So he can't... He feels as if... I don't know if he's sensing that, like, his air isn't getting into the kid's chest. Or I don't know what he's detected. But obviously... Ben, this child, has swallowed a bunch of water. So he's got water in his lungs. Like, that's the issue. What Doug ends up doing is doing a cripe on this kid, which typically is done in situations where there's an obstruction in the upper airway, not water in the lungs. I, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense to do a crike in someone who is a drowning victim. Because like, right. there's no obstruction. The reason he's right. not breathing is because you're right, like there's water in his no. lungs and he stopped breathing. Yeah, so what he needs is to wake up and cough. Like he needs to cough because even if you do a crike, even if you are able to it's get an airway nothing. through a crike or through a trach, it's not gonna change anything because there won't be any oxygen perfusion at all because the wall of the lung is the well, integrity like, is damaged i think it's in like this moment. less yeah it's just not going to be any more beneficial than doing mouth to mouth because like you're, you're still able to pass air through the trachea yeah into the lungs it's just it's in the lung that the issue is yeah it's in the lung yeah so yeah it's kind of it's a weird choice um is yeah. it dramatic yes, yes. <laughs> like, which i think is obviously what they were going for was like yeah you know give me a pen eh, stick it in like that's yeah. obviously what they wanted but just so you know in drowning victims this is that typical <laughs> no not this typical. is not not a thing like I mean, just totally not worth the potential issues from griking right, somebody right it's going to like if he can just continue to do mouth to mouth he probably would have gotten the same result as yeah. if he did the crike and was breathing into the crike like Absolutely. it just makes no sense yeah and maybe ben had a physical obstruction but then when he puts the crike in and administers breaths then he coughs up water through his mouth yeah yeah. So we know that the it was I, a water issue. It, it was, was a drowning yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a upper airway obstruction. 
So if there's any doctors or respiratory therapists listening here and like, let us know what you thought of this because we feel like the trach isn't indicated, but let us know what you think because maybe it is and we're just missing the mark here, but it gets worse. Okay. So then the EMS uh, crew tells them that they're closest to a hospital that doesn't have an ICU and they're about like 14 minutes away or something, which is strange because this is like a very urgent, this is like a very, very critically ill patient. Like this is a hypothermic child who is now traked and is not breathing still and is like unresponsive. It sounds to me like this place that they want to bring in without an ICU is maybe like an urgent care type thing. But like instead of driving, why not just drive him to a level one hospital? Yeah. In the back of the truck. Like where you have all of the medical supplies. But instead, they decide to put him in a non-medical helicopter and take them to (laughs) County General. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are wrong with this situation. (laughs) Like, I agree with you that EMS should probably be taking him to a full hospital because he's like a full code with a trach now. And a Um, child. like And a child. child. You probably should be taking him to a full hospital. I'm not sure exactly what the, like, urgent care or emergency department that they were going to take him to was going to be. But even that would be better. Well, I was going to say... Going in to, like, even in urgent care, if that's yes. what it was yeah. that they were going to take him to, they still have a full code room. They can still run a full code, well, right? Like I was going to so... say, I was like, even without an ICU, you can bring them to the trauma bay at that hospital. They obviously have an emergency room. And yeah. it's like, this is all wrong. Bring him to the hospital so they can stabilize him, get him warm, establish um, a proper airway, not a pen through his trach like and and get him stabilized and then move him then transport him once he's stable like that to me is what makes sense exactly Easy. exactly yeah yeah like it doesn't make much sense to go into a like i mean i understand and I guess if I'm like really going to try to put myself in this like absolutely absurd scenario, <laughs> I understand why Doug wants to just get him to like the level one trauma right away. Sure. Because he thinks he's going to get better care there, which, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that. But like it's super risky to because the transport even in the helicopter was going to be like 12 minutes. That's a long time it's in a, a cold long... situation. It's a long time. Yeah. So, like, I just don't think that that's a great plan, Um, especially with, like, no actual medical supplies. Like, the defibrillator that he took from the paramedics wasn't charged. Like, there's a lot of things you don't have in a regular helicopter that you would have in an ambulance. So, like, yeah, I just... And I I just think... At the very least, at the very least, like, not at the very least, but just being in an EMS truck, you have the person who's driving, and then now you have Doug and the medic in the back. So now you have both of them to help. And you have a fully stocked truck that has your life pack, that has your meds and your drugs, like, has everything that you need to resuscitate a patient 
much better situation than going into a non-medical helicopter with a journalist who has to eventually take over bagging the patient because he can't do it all on his own. Like, that was just right. so stupid. Yeah, it was very stupid. And I was stupid. very disappointed. But I guess it was heroic and it was also dramatic because they so they end up taking the chopper they take the camera in and the journalist goes with him and he broadcasts this on live tv What's your name, Doctor? Doug Ross. Doctor Doug Ross from County General. Just minutes ago, Doctor Ross rescued a boy from a storm drain. I can see you're attaching some electrodes to the boy's chest. What are those for, Doctor? What are those for, Doctor Ross? Patch me through to County. Doctor Ross has just asked me to patch him through to County General. This is County General. Go ahead. This is Chopper Five from Channel Five News. We've got a Doctor Ross up here flying in a hypothermic kit. Doug Ross. That is correct. Uh, hold on, Chopper 5. Mark, Doug is on a news chopper bringing in a hypothermic kid. What? It's on the MICN. What's he doing on a news chopper? Hey, look, there's Dr. Rose. Turn up the volume. Where's the remote? Doug, do you read me? Mark, is that you? What are you doing? I got a 12-year-old with hypothermia. I got to warm him up fast. I'm doing the best I can. What's our ETA? About three minutes. Singing you rescue in action live from Chopper 5. Stay with us as Dr. Doug Ross struggles to save the life of this child. <laughs> yep. Like, d- is there no consent that needs to be obtained from the parents of this child or from the par- like the child it's himself? Like, you're just going to broadcast this child's resuscitation on live television? Yeah, I don't know how. Patient confidentiality. That- would go yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're opening yourself up to a lawsuit and people in the u.s love to sue each other so i mean i'm just saying yeah like i don't know what all the legality <laughs> um would be with this yeah for sure if the kid had passed away then probably more dire situation for the hospital and and the news corporation probably too yeah but a great news story i guess so yeah but and in the end i guess it's helpful because then county general has this broadcasted to them on television and they are able to anticipate what's coming in so they get him in the chopper um it's like super dangerous because at one point doug is having to do rescue breaths and the he needs the help of the journalist because he's i think what appears to be going into vtac the boy yep so he's doing compressions and then the next very confusing thing is that they defibrillate once they get they get the kid out of the chopper because they've arrived at county general everyone's there to receive them they bring the trauma bit like the trauma pack uh up with them to the the helicopter pad and then they defibrillate the kid in the pouring rain which yeah (laughs) Like, this kid is already hypothermic, and, like, it's, and now it's pouring rain. Like, there's yeah. going to be puddles on that uh, stretcher. And Absolutely. now you're going to defibrillate, you're going to add electricity to this water situation. Like, like I just... I know. And they do it multiple times, multiple and they don't times. move the no. kid. Like, um, George... Clooney or Doug should just jump on the stretcher right away. Yeah. Do CPR as you're moving him indoors where it's warm and 
Yes. You can safely defibrillate. Yes. Like, yes. Like, oh my God. Like we all know <laughs> that electronics in a bathtub is never a good idea. And here you are delivering electricity to somebody's heart and you're going to do it in the pouring rain. This is very contraindicated. Very, very, yeah. very much so contraindicated. Yeah. <laughs> do not do this. So like, oh, it's just it goes crazy. well. It goes well for Ben. They defibrillate him. They get him into the trauma bay. They're they're doing a full recess. Um, but then they say he's gone into DIC, which I think we've talked about before. But it basically means disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is not good. Like it's basically when um, your body forms clots throughout the throughout your entire body, and it can cause things like mini strokes, heart attacks. It can cause like clots in your deep veins and um, your more superficial veins of your appendages anywhere you can form clots and I guess it depends on how severe it is but generally the outlook of someone that's gone into DIC is pretty poor from my understanding at least but in the end they do stabilize him and he lives yeah yeah I can't believe he survived all of that but yes he lives some very poor decisions made um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but very, it worked out. <laughs> I'm glad it I worked guess. out for him. Um, uh, ben yeah. was obviously meant to live to see another day because there were lots of odds stacked up against this poor child. Yeah, yeah. and like his his neuro and everything was super intact. Like his cognitive ability, like he was talking and you yeah. know, like thanking Doug and yeah, he seems like perfectly fine. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, kids are kind of crazy we'll, we'll go with yeah, that yeah absolutely. absolutely because there were moments where he wasn't getting any cpr he wasn't getting rescue breaths there were periods of time <laughs> yeah. where there was a break in uh, the resuscitation i was thinking i was about to say that i do think maybe a little bit of the like hypothermia maybe helped oh preserve yeah. him a bit very true right um kind of helped keep brain function a little bit and that sort of thing Yes. Um, but uh, I don't remember what they said his temperature was originally, but it was pretty cold. Yeah. So yeah, I don't remember what it was yeah. either, but he was very cold. Very, very cold. Yeah. I mean, this whole scenario was very sporty and very exciting. I'm very glad that Ben lives in the end. My question is, yeah. though, after this, are they still firing Doug? Are they still saying like, ah, yeah, actually, it's still going to be a no for us um, after <laughs> yeah. after this whole yeah. thing? I like is this enough (laughs) yeah i feel like they're not gonna fire him yeah i mean last episode i said that it's gonna take something super drastic to save doug and like this was pretty drastic this was pretty drastic (laughs) i mean like yeah uh, yeah i mean he he kind of made a few cowboy moves but he saved the guy so yeah, and I think that the public pressure will get him to keep his job, right? Right, Because, like, right. it's widely broadcasted. People think Doug is a hero, right? Yes. And so if he goes to the private clinic, and I mean, the private clinic him. must just be... Ecstatic. Yeah, the private yeah. clinic must be so excited. Yes. Um, but if he goes to the private clinic, for sure that clinic is going to, like publicly state that like we have the miracle worker doctor right like yeah and um he was fired from his previous position we like generously took him on right like just to yeah. boost their number of patients Absolutely. so it's not gonna look good for county if no they... it's not yeah. it's not gonna the look PR good for the pr move is to bring doug back 
And I predict that they will, absolutely. I think that they're going to bring Doug back. They're not going to let let this opportunity go. Absolutely. Well, you can't let so. George Clooney go. Absolutely oh not. Not after, not after an episode not like this. That. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, long story short, he stands up Linda. So there's that. She's left <laughs> hanging. He leaves the hospital in true George fashion, and that's with a ton of cameras wanting his picture. So the character and the actor are one and the same. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so you're right about the PR thing. I feel like this is going to be a big deal for the Absolutely. Hospital, so. Wow. That's it. Cool. That's it. That was a big episode. Yeah, that was a big. lot. That was, that was big. a lot to take in. I really enjoyed the drama, though. Oh, as yeah. horrible as the medicine was, the drama was very nice. <laughs> so. Yes. And like, I'll take you know, it. well, we've talked yeah. about this and hopefully we can do like an episode comparing Grey's and ER because that is one thing that I do like about Grey's Anatomy and they actually do a very good job of you're not critical of the medicine because you're just so engrossed in the drama of the show and the relationships but and maybe it's because i'm being a bit unfair to er because we're basically doing this we're doing this to give it from a nurse's perspective right so i'm looking at it already through a critical eye yeah we'll have to do an episode one day comparing er and grace yeah i just our general thoughts and impressions yeah absolutely yeah because it's it's pretty yeah i mean when you watch Grey's with a critical eye, you just absolutely hate it. Like, it's terrible. Yes, absolutely. But the, the drama is very good. You've got to turn off that medical brain and just, like, watch it for the drama. But, yeah, we definitely need to uh, do an epi- a bonus episode of us talking about Grey's because it's a good show. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will catch you next week don't forget to subscribe and write us a review and rate us on itunes and spread the word tell your friends especially if you are a uk listener you can stream we talked about this last week but you can stream the episodes on i think it's channel four let me just look here i think it's called all channel or channel four or something you can stream er all of the episodes so be like hey i actually know a really great recap podcast that you can listen to and send them to us absolutely easy absolutely get going on that get going on that yeah and we will see you all next week see you next week bye 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 thanks so much for listening to the episode guys This episode is created, edited, and produced by your hosts, Melissa and Julie. Music by Chris Yemes, photography by Ainsley Cardoso-Wagner, and photo editing by none other than your hosts, Melissa and Julie. You can find us on Instagram at erdebriefedpodcast or now on Twitter at erdebriefed. We post updates with new content on there as much as we can. You can also email us at erdebriefed at gmail.com with comments, questions, suggestions, and more. We try to respond as quickly as possible, and we always appreciate hearing your feedback. Thanks again.